Welcome to The Fix, the podcast made for the trades, where we sit down with inspiring individuals across the trades to discuss their unique take on the industry, including career paths, job site stories, overcoming challenges, and everything in between. I'm your host, Catherine, a marketer here at Odie, with my co-host and friend, Doug, one of Odie's resident experts in all things trades. The Fix is more than a podcast. It's a community, a community built to support tradespeople and inspire the next generation of essential pros. Let's start the conversation. All right, Doug, our guest today, I have been waiting to meet and talk to on the podcast. She is a leader in our industry, and I can't wait for all of us to learn a little more. I'm extremely excited as usual, but in this particular case, even a little extra heightened because we're dealing with an individual who's worked through generations. Yeah. Proven success has been there for well over 100 years. Yeah. Okay. And they're at the front lines of where our contractors are purchasing the products. You, so you got it. I am very excited to have her in the studio today. Well, awesome. Welcome, Katie Paling Seymour. Uh, she's the president and CEO of First Supply, as well as this year's ASA president. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a whirlwind year for me, and I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm so happy we were finally able to arrange it and get you here and looking forward to our conversation. Could you share a little bit with us your journey of becoming president and CEO for Supply and some of that generation there that Doug alluded to? And what's kind of the motivation that you pursued in your career to be in the wholesale distribution industry? Well, I often joke that I've been in the industry a little over 10 years or a little over 40, depending on how you look <laughs> at it. Being a fifth generation family business, I, I grew sure. up in it. So yeah. it's, it's part of who I am. But but more broadly, I had the really good fortune of seeing the opportunity and the genuinely exciting and interesting things that my father and my uncles were doing and in leading the business. And I really wanted to do something just as exciting with just as much opportunity as they were. And, and here I am today. I, I love I, it. I, I found it. But one of the things I, I didn't expect, and maybe I should have, is the amazing people mm -hmm. that, that I've really met in this industry and that have become so so much a part of my, my life, honestly. As you mentioned, Doug, our, our place in the supply chain is connectors between the manufacturers and our, our reps, as well as to our customers, has given me the chance to not only meet so many people, but build so many relationships and, and friends with really incredible people. And the American Supply Association presidency has given me even more platform sure. to oh, do I bet. that. For, literally from Boston to LA, I've, I've been everywhere. And it, <laughs> it, it's just been wonderful to spend um, all that time. And then not to mention the wonderful people at First Companies and our own people. And I'm so proud with... Our generation, or our business, excuse me, is not only multi-generational for us, but for our employees. Oh, we have cool. multiple families that have multiple generations, including one third generation family. Oh, wow. that's awesome. And what better testament to our culture that, that we've really built over generations. We're so proud of that. Yeah, that's amazing. That so is. can you talk a little bit about, you know, First Supply, as you talked to, has been operating for over 120 years. You know, what do you believe are the key factors that have contributed to that to the company's, you know, long-term success? I really believe longevity, like we've been blessed with, is part skill and part luck. Um, what, what really makes all the difference, though, is creating opportunity from the luck part. Sure. So when we celebrated our 125th anniversary last year, my uncle wrote a book of our company history and just the amazing stories that we've experienced Very over cool. this time. 
Uh, one of my favorites is about an opportunity my grandfather, Gerhard Paling, created. He became general manager of the company at only age 26. At wow. that time, we were only one location, but sure. still 26. And one of the first things he did was bid all the underground work for a 1,500 building expansion at Fort McCoy, which is about 30 miles from La Crosse, Wisconsin, where we're, where we're based. He hand wrote a thousand page quote. The story is wow. it was four inches thick. Wow. Um, and at the, we were the smallest company bidding this. People told him not even to bother because one of the big companies out of Minneapolis sure. would surely win this bid. Well, he won it. It was in awesome. today's dollars, a $5.4 million PO. And what's even better, this is the real luck part. It shipped in 1940, which was the year that the base allocations for all steel were set during wow. the war. And so he had just set us up to prosper in, in sure. an incredible way. So the 1950s were hugely beneficial to us. We um, excuse me, we expanded to two more locations and we built a relationship with Kiwani Boiler, which we went on to purchase and own for a number of years mm. and then eventually sell to American Standard. But um, it, it it really was such an incredible story. It didn't make the host, those wholesalers in Minneapolis very happy. Sure. <laughs> Got their attention. <laughs> Got their attention. So one of them opens up down the street from us, determined to drive us out of business. Oh. Well, we're still in lacrosse, and they are not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. it. Good so for it's, you. It's creating those opportunities, it's, it's just the, the history is so rich. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Well, you know, First Supply caters to a broad range of markets. Um, you talked about even an acquisition that you made and, and making changes. And I'm sure over those 125 years, there's been even more. Um, but including plumbing and industrial, you know, how does your company manage uh, to stay adaptable and innovation to meet constantly evolving needs in these variety of sectors? In some ways, it's really simple. We listen to our customers. We stay close to them so we can really understand how we can work better together. And so, for example, like when we're delivering to them, is there a way we could do that more efficiently, more effectively, so their receiving mm -hmm. is smoother so that they're set up to have success on the job site? But we also um, celebrate the good stuff we're doing, too. So if we find something that's working really well in a market, let's translate it. Let's keep doing it. But one, the, one of the most fun things for me sitting in, in this role right now is looking at what's next, what's coming, what's mm -hmm. on the bleeding edge, if not only in our industry, but across the board. We can certainly listen to what our customers need today, but part of our responsibility is anticipating what they don't even know they need yet. We might be able to solve problems before they even get there. Right. So VR and AI are great examples of that. Where will virtual reality really be relevant in our industry? Sure. I think we're all hearing about it already in terms of training and virtual reality goggles and glasses that are allowing people to get on, hands on 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 the job, quote unquote, experience, yeah, yeah. just without even leaving where they are. And so those tools can be used to not only train current tradespeople, but attract new ones. If you're mm -hmm. a young kid and you're thinking about an industry like plumbing where you're turning wrenches, well, all of a sudden now I'm using robotics and virtual reality to get yeah, trained how cool. in this. It's mm -hmm. just, it, it changes the concept, but we've got to figure out ways to do that. But um, I was in a meeting yesterday reviewing some potential automation solutions for us, and our team realized that we this is going to be a lot of work. There's right. The VR, the AI, the automation, all this is coming. But I think if we do it right, it's also going to be a lot of fun. Oh, it's yeah. It's change yeah. what we all do and, and in a good way. Yeah. And you really have to just look at it from a different perspective and not get in the way of thinking, how have we done it in the past? And just what are the possibilities of the future? And I think that's a great way as, as really as your um, business is evolving of to be on that leading edge so that you can service your customers the way that they're going to expect it in years to come too. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to expand on that 
thought process here for a second. So, I mean, I, I read about one of your first offerings uh, when your company first started was windmills, mm-hmm. for goodness sakes, right? Yep. And, you know, now with today's offerings in the industry from different manufacturers, how do you decide what manufacturers to align with? You know, what products of theirs suit your contractor bases the best? You know, how do you go through that process? Honestly, our goal is to, to win with the winners, right? We want to be aligned with people who are leading in the industry. We don't want to be aligned, aligned with anybody and everybody because mm-hmm. it's the flavor of the day. We're looking like our customers and like our employees who have been multi-generational. Most of our vendor relationships are multi-generational too. And that provides just a ton of stability for our customers and the tradespeople who are relying on us to bring the best products to the marketplace. But even thinking back, as as I was talking about that history, my great-grandfather was especially, no, he's the one who brought the windmills in. Okay. So he was really known for seeing what that next product was going to be. And he was also really good at realizing when that product had run its course. So we started off with windmills because nobody had windmills in western Wisconsin. And we the farms, it was a largely agricultural community, needed to get the water to not only the animals but the homes. Mm-hmm. Well, as pumps were developed, he dumped the windmills and brought in the pumps because that was what was needed. That was sure. really what was, was coming next. Um, and... There, there's so many uh, products just like that. My grandfather started off in high school installing coal stokers because in the home that was that was the yeah, latest heat. technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when Jacuzzi introdu- introduced, excuse me, the portable whirlpool pump, we were the one of the first with it. We were one of the first to have Corian countertops available, Grunfrost wet rotor pumps, and even Aosmith water heaters. We were one of the first. We were one of their oldest customers because we saw a product that made a whole lot of sense and was going to be needed in the future and. Here we are, uh, 60, 70 some years later, still selling A.O. Smith water here. Yeah. So it's just, it's an incredible um, story. And and all the way down to the technology, one of the one of my favorite parts, we got our first computer in 1969. We were one of the first to bring in IBM computers, especially for a company our size. Wow. Yeah. So thinking about doing better, not only on the product side, but also behind the, behind sure. the uh, office on the AP and AR and, and making sure we're always innovating there. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Catherine, I'm going to ask, so we talk a lot about women in trades. Okay. Uh, you said that you have employees that are multi-generational also with your company. So what do you do to help promote, you know, the female in the trades, you know, in your space? We, anything we can, honestly. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's it's so important. And it's important that we're attracting diverse people Mm -hmm. to our communities and our industry overall. Women especially just need a voice. We need a seat at the table. We need to make sure that, um, that we really were there in, in the room when decisions are being made. And it's been a lot of fun to see the change happening. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of times when I'm, I'm sitting around a table and all of a sudden I realize, geez, I'm still the only woman in here. How'd mm-hmm. this happen? <laughs> but it's changing slowly but surely. And I think there's so many amazing programs like the house that she built that you're so involved mm-hmm. in that are changing the dynamic. It's now at the forefront. It's now something people are talking about. And the first step to any change is awareness. Yep. So now we're aware. Now we can start really promoting the opportunity that's here. And we can start to attract people to that opportunity and really develop them. One of the things that um, I'm asked a lot about career advice for people, and, and one of the things, no matter what seat you sit in in a company, is that you have to have an advocate. 
And women in the trades need to have an advocate, somebody that is their cheerleader, somebody when when they're staffing the next job, they say, how about her? I think she'd do really well at that. I think maybe she'd learn something. I think that'd be really interesting. And um, everybody can be an advocate. Mm -hmm. So there might be, you might be brand new into a role, but yet you can still go out on a limb and and be somebody's cheerleader. I have a good friend who's never worked in our industry. She lives across the country now, but um, she, she's always the person who's commenting on my social media. She's telling all, all of our mutual friends what I'm working on and all these things. And it it just, it makes you feel good. And anybody can do that. You, you'll always underestimate how much that means to somebody else. So I think when we think about anybody, but especially women in the trades, being advocates for them and cheerleading and, and making sure they know that what they're doing is important. That's great. Yeah. And I'd even say, um, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on this too. ASA from an organization has done a lot with women in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, through the conference that they have had over the years, it's seen an unbelievable amount of growth. Um, and just even bringing that type of conference. And I believe it was spearheaded by a lot of the next generation of family members in the, in, um, in wholesale district distribution and in the plumbing space that really helped bring it to, to light. So can you talk a little bit about that group as with your connection to ASA? Absolutely. I, I was the founding chairwoman. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> why so, am I not surprised? Yeah. <laughs> but really, it, it was just what I was talking about. Um, we, there was a need. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, a cu- couple of us got together, realized that there was a need here and we could do something about it. If, if we think that there's an opportunity, let's put the plan together and let's make it happen. And it was it was actually interesting. It was at a, a young executives event. So it was young people, just like you're sure. saying, the next generation. We were doing a video shoot for the next generation family members and businesses. And there were two women, Ashley Martin and I, standing there. And um, we started talking about... There, there's nothing for women in this industry. Mm-hmm. There's nothing going on. So we we started small, and we we were in Chicago, and we were like, I hope 50 people come. It's now the fastest growing group in yeah. the American Spy Association, and um, it, it's just been a fantastic journey. One of the most unexpected parts of it, we didn't necessarily say we're going to attract executives, or we're going to attract mm-hmm. marketers or finance people, or anything. It was whoever anyone could come, and what we didn't realize is that it has attracted women just beginning their career. And women who are maybe in the, the twilight of their careers, mm-hmm. as they say. Sure. But you, all of a sudden, you have this amazing um, conglomeration of women sharing their stories and how they got from here to there. So, for a young woman to see a woman who's been successful for decades in a career in a male dominated industry and to have to look up to her and to see, I can do that too. And for the women who have paved this path and really uh, uh, been the leaders for us for them to look back now and see yeah. hundreds of young women it's excited cool. to be in the in the industry it, it's just magic yeah <laughs> it is a great event I've been to a couple of them and it's it's always so much fun and it's nice to reconnect um, with people over the years too and mm-hmm. to be able to see how they're doing so yeah. we realized great. that all around the country we were at the onlys, right? We were the only women sitting at these tables. We were the only women in our department, whatever it may have been. And there was an opportunity to bring us all in one place Mm -hmm. and really build upon that and and be each other's advocates. I think there are small pockets of of women who have met each other at this conference and this meeting and now see each other in other places and celebrate each other on social media. It's it's awesome to see. It's really fun. Well, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because I want to go back to talking through, you know, kind of the business side and and the growth that's happened. But, you know, in the trades industry, what would you consider to be the most significant challenges and also really opportunities for growth in the years ahead? 
I think one of the biggest challenges we're going to sh- we're going to face, excuse me, is this generational shift that we need to make. Mm-hmm. It's, it's happening um, with, with the contractors and the, and the tradespeople. It's happening in distributors. It's happening in manufacturers. As as one generation is transitioning on to the next, the businesses look different. Our business looks a little different since I've taken a more oh, sure. active rollover from my father. It's just it's what's going to happen, and we all need to determine how we're going to grow and diversify. There's, you know, lots of private equity investments, especially in our industry and especially mm-hmm. in the in the trades right now, plus the consolidation we're all experiencing. We've got to figure out how to manage that while we keep the core of who we are. Our industry is is known to be a really positive one, an excellent place to build a very prosperous career. So how do we make sure that that we stay true to that? But the opportunities are endless. There yeah. still aren't enough homes in our country. Sure. So we think about right. needing to, to to build that simple portion of infrastructure. We also have a deteriorating overall infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, our roads and everything else. So we're going to need to innovate. We're going to need to do things better, differently, and really lay the foundation for our grandchildren's future in a very sustainable way and a very responsible way that will build the platform for all of them to succeed and, and holistically so that there are more opportunities for more people from different walks of life throughout the industry and throughout the country. Mm-hmm, for sure. So can you um, talk to me a little bit about and, and provide some insights for our listeners on the strategies that First Supply employs to maintain robust relationship with manufacturers as things are evolving and changing? And you, you talked a little bit about, you know, picking winners that have got new ideas and innovation, you know, but not only manufacturers, but also your customers in this really highly competitive market where people are, are going in a lot of different directions to purchase their product. I, I think... Uh one of, one of the most impactful things we can do is just be nice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it goes honestly. a long way, doesn't it? Goes it goes a long way. When you think about when you want to build a relationship with somebody, when you want to partner with somebody, you want to partner with people you like. Mm-hmm. So uh, I say that a little bit jokingly, but at the same time, you, you, you do want to partner with people who want to grow and who um, have a mutual best interest. And... Um, People who want to innovate, we want to find ways to challenge each other for the better. It's not just about what's in it for me lately. It's about, hey, let's figure out where we can, where, where one plus one equals three, right? That we can we can uh, really work together and rework processes, rework opportunities that, that make us both better for it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we talk, uh, you know, you hear a lot too, sustainability as well as environmental concerns, you know. They're becoming more and more to the forefront and increasingly important, you know, in the construction industry. How does First Supply address that, um, you know, in the issues with the product offering as well as even your operation footprint? Mm-hmm. We don't do it well enough today, honestly. Um, our manufacturers are leading in this area. and We're learning from them as quickly as possible. And as technologies become more and more approachable, we're shifting towards more sustainable operations with things like solar panels and green building mm-hmm. and simple procedures like paperless invoicing that, sure. that can make an impact. But we were actually awarded the first LEED Gold certification in the U.S. under the new regulations for our Kohler Signature Store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It was only the second in the world after the Nike store in Paris when they changed all the regulations. Wow. Very so cool. I would love for every single one of our buildings to to be like that sure. up to that standard, but it's it's a hard it's a hard barrier yeah. to hit. So we'll we'll continue to improve and continue to get better. But it's really a luxury we have as a, a family business to make decisions that really might be best for the next generation and the next mm-hmm. and the next. My father Joe and my cousin Todd and I talk a lot about 
being stewards of our business for future generations. It isn't ours. We're simply caring for sure. it for, the, the, for right now. And sustainable best practices just make a lot of sense when, yeah. you, when you have that perspective. And I also remind myself that my most important job is mom to my three daughters. Sure. And their future and their grandchildren's future really make every ounce of sustainability invaluable. Yeah, that's such a great perspective. I appreciate it. I love the fact that she mentioned about her three daughters. So I see more generations coming here. Yes, for sure. (laughs) I love that. You know, I I, I don't really have a question, but I just want to let all of our listeners know that I've spent a very short amount of time with you, Katie. I feel that I'm very good at reading people. And I'm going to tell you something. You, You have such tremendous passion, but it's very controlled. And it's so awesome because (laughs) that's what leaders are made of, the passion, but they can control it. And I'm going to tell you, I... I'm just happy to be in the room with you today. I swear to God, I am. <laughs> well, thank you. I am happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, this is a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else. I, I mean, love it. I love her story. I, I love her stories, and I love her past. I love where she is today, and I love your vision for the future. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about being uh, a working mom and, uh, you know, how you have to balance between being a leader within your organization but also being mom too at the end of the day. Can you talk a little bit about how you have to balance that and how you do balance it? I like to say there's no balance. There's, there's <laughs> kind of, it's, it's all a blend, right? There's, yep. there's one Katie and she's a mom. She's a CEO. She's president of ASA. She's got friends. I love to play tennis. You know, it's all, it's all those things all sure. together. And so finding ways where I can weave the two together. So, um, I I'm going from Cleveland out to Los Angeles to, um, speak at my last ASA regional meeting and, um, the girls are coming with me. We're going to spend the weekend in Los Angeles Great. and how can I find ways to not only introduce them to the industry, sure. you know, they're, they're the next generation, but, um, how can, how can we find ways to spend time together? That makes sense. It's, it's hard to turn things on and off, but at the same time, um, I got the advice uh, or read the advice long ago about being present Mm -hmm. and being 100% wherever you are so that you're always tuned in to what that means. If if it's a team meeting, they're for the team. If if I'm at home, put my phone away, I'm home playing with the girls. Um, And and I really try as much as I can to, yes. to stay true yeah. that is near impossible sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but but I've, I've also found fun ways just to uh, they they keep things light they yeah. they keep things energetic they make it all worthwhile um and finding ways to weave them into things I love to um use their um use them in my speeches I mean four-year-olds and three oh yeah there's funny. no better <laughs> content <funny>. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they take great pictures. I mean, it's, it's just a ball. Yeah. I mean, and I would say I'm, I'm right there with you. I have two boys and I think showing them too the, what we're doing, because they don't always have exposure to it. They did during the pandemic. And then now trying to still continue to show them what that looks like. Um, my boys are joining me for the big build event down in Washington, D.C. So they get to actually put on an OD shirt and they're going to be working for the day. So nice. it's those opportunities, I said too, that just give them um, exposure into what mom does at work. 
but also that mom is my mom. So that you can, we had another lady on named Doreen Cannon, Mm -hmm. um, who was a plumber um, here and and a legend Mm -hmm. uh, in Cleveland at the local 55. And the reason she went into plumbing was for the flexibility with her son at the time who was in kindergarten. And I always remember that because she's like, this career allowed me to have the flexibility that I needed. So I think that it's, great input it is a a blend it is sometimes a balance it's a dance it's a being present and all those things um you know trying to navigate the world of being a a working mom absolutely and i think it's um beholden to all of us that we create better spaces for more women as well as Mm -hmm. as leaders as bosses as mentors we need to make sure that the the young women and, and all women are able to create that space and that flexibility wherever it's possible. It's not always possible. If you're on a manufacturing floor, if you're a delivery driver, you can't work from home. Sure. But are there opportunities to have flexible schedules? Are there opportunities to work reduced hours for a period of time while your kids are home for the summer and then ramp back up and allowing our businesses to flex with women instead of simply creating a door out? Yeah. It's, it's, if we can figure that out as women in this generation, we will have one. I'm telling you for sure. One, as we talk about, you know, there has been so many articles that talk about the lack of people getting into the trades and it is that women should be the target for, you know, getting into the trades. If they continue to stay as a very rigid schedule and don't have that flexibility, they will never win over bringing women into the trades. And I know um, Eric from Mechanical Hub has talked about this flexibility that needs to happen too. It is the job site just can't be what works for some. Mm -hmm. It needs to be able to work for all. And I think you'll actually see things producing even better from there. Good, good. And and on the the backside of it, there's... um, care for parents and mm-hmm. others as well. It's yep. not only care for children, yeah. you know, you end up in the, the sandwich, gener- yep. sandwich generation. That's what it is where <laughs> you've got, you know, two different groups of people to care for. So not only it's making sure we don't only have off ramps, we've got on ramps yeah. too. Yeah. Great perspective. Well, listen, as we kind of close out today, you know, I would love to kind of get your vision of, um, you know, where do you see by the time that you are ready to, um, off ramp um, <laughs> out of this industry. Where do you hope to see it? What are the things that you um, hope to have an impact and a legacy on um, in the trades and in in your business and in the wholesale industry? Actually, uh, we just created a couple of time capsules uh, for our tw- 125th anniversary, cool. and one of them we created to be opened in about 25 years. And I'm hoping that's at my retirement. All right, there it is. Thinking ahead already. Awesome. Anyways, I I just think that. Um, having a, a conversation uh, about all of these things and creating a really authentic place for people to continue to grow and develop and innovate. Our industry is one that's long overlooked, especially in the mm-hmm. distribution piece. Um, so, so many um, people don't understand how products get from manufacture to installation. And there's an entire supply chain. The pandemic did wonders for that. It did Mm -hmm. not do wonders for many things. But (laughs) when we think about the the way that all the things that we learned uh, after the pandemic, uh, we we learned a lot about leadership. We Mm -hmm. learned about bringing our whole selves to work. And we learned about how people can have various influences based on their geography, but also just based on the things that impact them. When you think about 
the pandemic, you think about somebody maybe sitting there who lost someone to COVID-19 next mm-hmm. to somebody whose spouse doesn't believe in vaccines. And right. they've got the, you know, they're right there next to each other with two very different influences on them. Right. So I, I think that... Um, that taught me a million leadership lessons, and I hope to carry some of that forward mm-hmm. in how we respond to crisis, to do it with um, an open mind and an open heart, and to be able to uh, lead that way, and to be able to create an industry and an entire supply chain where people feel like they have the opportunity to create a really good life for them and their families and the next generation of their families. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, I just want to say on behalf of Odie, you know, I thank you very much for the uh, long partnership uh, that we have had over the years and looking forward to many more as we continue. I know a lot of uh, the company's vision and your uh, uh, business's vision is very much aligned. So thank you for that. And obviously, if there's any way that we can support you know, continue to reach out um, because we obviously are all in this together to make an impact into the trades. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing for the industry too and your, your advocacy. Got it. Thank you.